You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Sometimes God grabs us by the scruff of the neck and calls us to make a decision. Sometimes there are key days in our lives when we make big decisions that change the rest of our lives. Any man or woman who's ever said, I do, on their wedding day knows that things change immediately after that ring gets on the finger. For some reason, all the romance just disappears and suddenly you become ugly in the eyes of your wife. I don't know what happens. Anyway, we're going to be looking at one at the end of Joshua's life, Joshua chapter 24, verses 11 to 15, just a short passage, but a very powerful passage in my opinion. At the end of his life, or at the end of his ministry, Joshua's about to effectively retire. He's quitting the the job as the leader of Israel, and he's about to go off and retire up in his mountain home, wherever this mountain home turns out to be. I can't remember where it is. Actually, I was trying to remember it this morning. So he's going off to retire, and he calls all the people together, and he prophesies to them one last time. Now, there's something you need to understand about prophecy. First of all, prophecy isn't always predictive and about the future. Now, most of the time, and many times it is, but it isn't always. Most of the Old Testament prophets and most of the prophecies in the Old Testament, about 95% of them were dedicated to raising God's standard people who lived at that time. That was basically what they were doing. Well, Joshua begins this process by saying, thus says the Lord. He begins prophesying to the people. Now, I've had to leave a few of the verses out, but I want to pick it up at verses 11 to 15, where God has, where Joshua, by, by God's command, has called all the people together and he said, listen, lads, here's the gig, right? I called your father out of, from beyond the river Euphrates, and I called him out of idolatry. I called him Abraham was his name. I called Abraham out, and I led him over here, and he begins to tell the whole story of the history of Israel. And he's bringing them up to this point where they have come into the promised land, and everything, they have defeated their enemies, everything is beginning to settle down. They have peace in the land, and so on and so forth. And now he's calling them to pay attention to what's going on in their lives and in their surroundings. He begins by saying this. I'm going to pick, up it, pick it up. He begins the story, but I'm going to pick it up in verse uh, 11. This is Joshua laying out all that God had done for the people. It says this. It says, ah, come on. I overclicked. Did I overclick? I overclicked. Sorry, lads. And here we go. Clicking. Patience does it. There we go. You crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the Jericho leaders ganged up on you, as well as the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, most of which live in Waterford today, by the way. (laughs) But I turned them over to you. I turned them over to you. They all ganged up on you, all these enemy armies. I should say they all live in Galway, actually. Sorry, let me be specific. All of these people ganged up on you, but I turned them over to you. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you felt like people were ganging up on you, but suddenly God brought about a deliverance? I have had that experience. But he says, and God handed them over to you. He goes on to say this. is, I sent the hornet ahead of you, and it drove out the two Amorite kings and did your work for you. You didn't have to raise so much as a finger. I handed you a land for which you did not work, towns that you did not build, and here you are now them and eating from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. This was the big splash in the face to the children of Israel who were kind of known for the odd moan. I think everybody has a moan every now and again. 
But they were known for mourning an awful lot and losing sight of all it was that God had done in their lives. And here Joshua spells it out. He says, lads, you didn't even raise a finger to have all the blessings that are happening in your lives. Are we any different? It's God's blessing in our lives. All good things come from the Father of heavenly life. He says, and you are now living in them. You're eating from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. So he reminds them of all their history. He says, no, here you are, lads. All the, all the supply is here. Everything you need is here. I've driven out your enemies. And then he says, okay, no, boys, it's time to wake up. So now he says, fear God. Worship him in total commitment. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the river, the Euphrates River, way over to the east and in, e and in Egypt. You worship God. Now, Joshua doesn't paint the picture of what happened in the past to say, oh, sure, weren't the old days great? Look at the good old days when everything went wealthy. Look at all the great things that happened in the past. Sure, wasn't it great? Oh, I wish we could have those days back again. Every now and again, I have a conversation where I remind some of my, uh, some of my kids of what it was like to be brought up in the 1970s. And that was fun. And they would always say, and they'd say, I remember all the times my dad did this for me, or didn't, in actual fact, my dad did very little, but there you go. All the times my dad... But say, ah, Dad, those were the old days. I said, bring back the old days. But anyway, he, was, he wasn't saying to them to paint a picture of the good old days so that they could all reminisce and go, oh, wasn't it wonderful back in the old days? He was painting a portrait of the past to give them a picture of the future. He was saying, this is what happened in the past. This is what's likely to happen in the future. He was saying, this is our God. This is what he's like. This is what he does. He's not going to change. Are you? That was the challenge he was laying out. He was saying, this is our God. This is what he does. He's not going to change. Are you? Yeah, I'll have to go to that, will I? Yeah. I knew there was a reason I wasn't using the, the head-mounted mic. Sorry. Just bear with me for a second. Home. Home. Um, home. <laughs> One day at a time amongst yourselves there for a second. No. I knew there was a reason. Thank you very much. Me, 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 yeah, that's better, that's better. So he said, this is our God, that's what he's like. And he does this, he paints a portrait of the past to paint a picture of the future. And then he calls on them, you fear God, now in total commitment, and get rid of your gods. You go, God, I thought they had already gotten rid of their gods. No, I guarantee you, they had brought some of their gods with them. But he goes on to say this, and you're very familiar with this passage, I'm sure. And he says, but if you decide that it's a bad thing, to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river, or one of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. As for me and my family, well, we're going to worship the Lord. That was Joshua's declaration. As for me and my family, we're going to worship the Lord. But if you want to, you can choose. So he says to them, if worshipping the God who did all of this stuff for you doesn't really suit you, if it doesn't fit in with your lifestyle, man, if that's not working for you, he says, choose whom you will worship. Because everybody worships. And every human being who has ever lived worships something. And everybody who's ever lived has served somebody. As Bob Dylan sang, you got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. That's what he said. And he sang it and I'd love to sing it, but we don't have time. Anyway, he wanted to, he, he, he said, 
Josh was saying, you're going to have to serve somebody. But then he says to him, I love when he says to him, he says, but you choose, right? You choose which of the gods you'd prefer to worship if worshiping the Lord doesn't work for you. If serving the Lord your God who provided all this doesn't work for you, I tell you what, you choose which gods you'd prefer to worship. Would you prefer to worship the gods of your ancestors? No, does anybody here have any ancestors? You can put your hand up if you have ancestors, unless you were, I know, miraculously born in a shoebox or something. Put your hand up if you have ancestors. It means people that came before you, father, grandfather, grandparents, super grandparents, and so all the way back down. We've all got ancestors. Now think about the gods that your ancestors worshipped. Now some of us have come from a line of Christian, faithful, believing, committed, that's about four of us I'd say, and the rest of us have been dragged in from the tribes hither and thither. Do I want to worship the God my ancestors worshipped? It depends on how far back I want to go. If I want to go back a thousand years, all my ancestors were worshipping stones, I have no doubt, and painting their bodies and going, thinking that that was worship. I don't know what kind of gods your ancestors worship, but my ancestors did not worship the God of heaven. Are you with me? Yeah? Maybe yours did. Maybe it was the God-fearing people all the way. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And he says, if you want to, you can go and worship the gods your ancestors worship, like the stones and the bits of steel and the idols and the statues. You can go back to that if you want to, if that suits you. And then he says, but if that doesn't work for you, you can also worship the gods of the Amorites in whom you know live, or in loose translation, you can worship the gods of your neighbors. The neighbors, the, the gods your neighbors worship. No, go out onto your street when you go home and see what gods your neighbors are worshiping. And you can choose to worship them too. I've got a couple of neighbors. I'm quite certain that they worship their cars. They worship, they're constantly cleaning their cars. Oh, my car, you have brought me such happiness. Oh, I praise you for all your goodness. The way you see some people worshiping their cars. I mean, if they paid that attention to their wives, they'd have happy lives. Amen. Some of them worship sport. Ah, Manchester United, I worship you. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of that already, isn't there? A monster by, I'd do anything for monster, would you? Yeah, yeah. Because monster will be doing an awful lot for you. Did you notice that? I worship my home. My home is so perfect. I'm just, I just, oh, really? It's going to fall down some one of these fine days. Really, it is. You want to worship your home? Go for it. It's going to fall down. Some people worship themselves. Ah, oh, show me the selfie. That I have to post. Lord, for my sake, get out of my way. I love myself the most. Freestyling. There'll be a message being preached here in a minute, okay? Just stick around. He says, choose, you choose, because we are making choices, and we're making those choices every single day, brothers and sisters. We're choosing by listening, by choosing which voices we listen to in our lives. We're choosing by choosing which, what we do with our money. If you want to know what you worship, follow your money. It's a good way of finding out what you worship. You know, so we, 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 we make choices, we make decisions every day. But Joshua said to him, let's like, God has done all this stuff. Why would you settle for your car or for Manchester United or for your pagan ancestors' stupid rituals? Why would you settle for that when the God of heaven wants to bless your life every day of your existence? But here's the thing. I think that he wants us to make that decision every day. That's the thing. 
every day we must make that decision because that assault on us happens every single day. You see, we have sometimes a desire to get ourselves out of today. Why is it that he said, choose today whom you'll worship? Note he didn't say to them, lads, go off and have a think about it. Come back to me in six months and let me know what you're thinking. He didn't say to them. He didn't say, I want you to take the 14-day cooling off period that you just got for your internet package and think about it and come back to me in 14 days and decide. He didn't. He said, here's the deal. You have today to make that decision. And it's the same for you and for me and for everybody inside here. Every day we get out of our bed, we have to make that decision. You might go, oh, really? You have to make that decision? Yeah, it's not like, a, oh, I really need to make a decision. It's not that kind of decision. We look a little bit more at decisions on Tuesday night. But every day we have to make that decision. And I'll tell you why we have to make that decision every day. And, I, and this, this, is, this is what I think is really, really important. The enemy of your soul wants you to be anywhere, and I mean anywhere, except today. If he can get you thinking about tomorrow, he's winning. If he can get you thinking about the past, he's winning. Now, why is that? Why is that that he doesn't want you to be in today? Why am I, what, Michael, what kind of stupidity are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with planning for the future, Amen. But being anxious about the future, totally different story. But there's two things going on. Your enemy of your soul can either get you going. He can get you dragged back into a tortured and threatening future. He can take into, or sorry, my apologies, a, tor a tortured past. Or, or, or a, a, a tortured past and a threatening future. Or he can drag you and get you thinking about um, a, 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 a glorious present and a great future. Sorry, I'm getting it all wrong. I'm getting it tongue-tied. Forgive me. He wants you either to be dragged back to the past or he wants you to be in the future, but he doesn't want you to be in today. And he doesn't want you making decisions today to follow Jesus Christ. He wants you to put it off till tomorrow. It'll do tomorrow. He also wants you thinking about the mistakes that you made yesterday. Because when you're thinking about the mistakes you made yesterday, it is a disaster. He's got you exactly where he wants you. Why is it important that he gets you into the past or the future? Because of this. The only time that you can experience God's presence is in the present. Are you with me? It's the only time you can experience God's presence. You can't experience God's presence tomorrow, today. You know what I'm saying? You can't experience God's peace tomorrow, today. Are you with me? And when we fill our heads with anxieties about the future, we're in the future already and we lose out on God's peace and presence in today. It's a great trick of the enemy because, and, and, and not only is it a great trick of the enemy, but it's also a great trick of advertising. So forgive me if you're in the advertising business, do forgive me. But what it seeks to do is drag you to a better future all the time. Have you ever noticed how every single political party is painting a better picture of the future? Did you ever notice that? Have you ever noticed that every advertising product is about something that's going to happen in the future? Tomorrow you're going to have a cleaner home than you had yesterday. Tomorrow you're going to have a better diet than you had yesterday. Tomorrow is the day. If you can only buy our product, your future is going to be better. You're going to be driving around that car. I still remember that ad for little pokey car. I see trees of green, red roses too, and this guy's springing around. He's driving around in this little tiny little dinky car and he pulls up. Now I drive past people in cars all the time and I don't see a lot of them going, I see trees of green. I see them sitting behind the wheels of a car like that. 
and they're, and they're, they're lost in their thoughts. What the enemy wants to pull you continually away from the present. Here's what, here's what Paul said. You're very familiar. I use the scripture all the time. You would have seen this before. Oh, why will you not cooperate with me today? Osai, would you mind doing the honors to me, please, brother? Thank you. This is what Paul said to the, to, the, uh, to the Philippian church. He said, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. It'll guard your heart and guard your mind in Jesus Christ. No, it won't guard your heart in the future, but it'll guard your heart today. Amen? You see, when God paints a picture of the future... It's not for us to go, yippee, I can't wait till next week when God all does all that stuff. That's not the purpose of what God's painting of the future is. He paints a picture of the future to give us peace today. Are you with me? Are you with me? So when, for instance, when Joshua, or sorry, when Jeremiah writes to the exiles who were over in Babylon, I talked about it a couple of months ago, when he writes to the Babylon, and he says to them, lads, in 70 years' time, I'm going to restore you back to your homeland. That wasn't designed for them to sit and go, oh, 70 years, I just can't wait. Like, I just got to wish 70 years away. I can't wait till 70 years' time. You know, you, you, have you ever been around people who are saying, I can't wait until my birthday? Or, I can't wait till I get married. Like, or, I can't wait till I get a new job. That is not the purpose of God's provision of peace in our lives. He paints a picture of the future to give us peace in the present. So that the people who were in Babylon 70 years before God would work this out would know, yes, God has this in his hands. He has it in his hands. You see, that's why uh, Corrie ten Boom, the Christian writer from World War II said, she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And you see, what we miss out on is that moment, that present. You see, here's what C.S. Lewis, the Christian philosopher and writer said, that the thing about the present is this. It is the only time where eternity touches time. Because if you think about God as being eternal, okay, just, just, for you, just so you know what eternal means. Eternal means outside of time. We see time consecutively. We see it in a row or a number, a series. But God's, God is in eternity. He isn't bound by time. He's not connected by time. And the only time that there is no time is right in the present. Because when you are right there, when you're in God's presence, when you're experiencing God's peace, the future doesn't matter. You know he's got it in his hands. The past doesn't matter because you know it's forgiven. Are you with me? But the enemy would love to drag you back. If you're anxious, you're probably living in the future. For some people, if they're depressed, they're probably living in the past. But God wants you to live right now and in the present. Are you with me? And that's why he says, choose today whom you will serve. Whether you're going to serve the one who provided all of this, defeated all your enemies, gave you everything you have to eat, gave you everything that is in your life, gave you salvation and blessing and forgiveness. You can either worship him or you can be stuck in tomorrow if you want to. That's why you need to choose to worship him today. But those blessings of peace, those blessings of joy are only available to a certain type of person. Believe it or not. They're only, and this, this was the whole point of what Joshua was saying. And this is the whole point of what a lot of the New Testament is saying when you read the, the, the epistles and you read the gospels. They're available to those who are all in. The people who are all in for what God is going to do in their lives. Who are totally committed to him. Do you know what the scripture says? He keeps in perfect peace him whose mind is fixed on you. 
him whose mind is fixed on you. You have to be all in to experience that blessing. I'm going to ask you this morning, do you want to be all in? Do you want to experience all of God's blessing? Then you need to get all in. I want to be all in. I was on holiday uh, the week before last. Yeah, the week before last I was on holiday. We went down to West Cork for a few nights and we stayed in my favorite place in the world, a place called Barley Cove. So we went down and the first night we got there, of course I got down to the beach and I took off my pants, forgive me. Uh, I didn't, I, I rolled up my pants because I could see the sea was rolling in and I said to Elma, I said, darling, I'm sorry, I just have to go in for a paddle. So I just had to experience it. You can have immersive. So, so I went, I rolled up my, rolled up my jeans. I can actually, no, I actually think I took off my pants. I'm not 100% sure. Darling, if I was being nudist on the beach, I apologize. But so I, so I said, I'm going to go down for a paddle. And I walked towards the this, sand. This, I thought, oh, this is wonderful. And then I put my foot in the waves. Oh, 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 oh. It was like putting your foot in the Arctic. <laughs> it was absolutely freezing. And I kind of looked around at them and I went, hm, it's lovely. <laughs> and my feet were stinging on fire. And I thought, oh no. I was looking forward to coming down and going for a paddle. And I was looking forward to going into this. And it was, it was going to be so great. And now my holiday is spoiled. And <laughs> no. So it was really, really cold. And I just couldn't believe how cold it was. And then the following day, my youngest son, Rory, who has skin made of rubber, as far as I can see, said, come on, Dad, let's go for a swim. And all I can say is, forgive me, I went back to my old days, and I said, oh, no. So, yeah. so I decided we would go for a swim. So Elma did, had brought a, a wetsuit, uh, and I decided I was going to put on a wetsuit, see, because I'm, I'm not, but the wetsuit wouldn't fit me. So, thank you, darling. Um, it was a present. Uh, but the wetsuit wouldn't fit me, right? So I put on a t-shirt and I said, okay, I'm going to go in for a swim. So you know, you, you know in Ireland, has anybody here ever swam in the sea in Ireland? I know there's some real kind of blubber busters here who are kind of like, no, I just go into the water. Well, I'm not like that. It's like, oh, 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 oh. You know, I, where's, is Dancho here? No, Dancho's downstairs. So Dancho, I met Dancho once on Barley Cove Beach. I'm going, I'm nearly finished. I went to Barley Cove Beach and I met Dancho. If any of you know, he's one of our drummers in Bulgaria. He says, I don't like water in Ireland. Dan Show, if you're listening, I'm just, you know, it's a compliment, don't kill me after the church. He says, it is freezing, it's like going into freezing water. Ah, the water of the, of the Black Sea, yes, it's good. He said, it's like taking a bath. <laughs> Ireland is not like taking a bath, it's like taking a prison sentence, is basically what it is. So I wade into the water, and you know the water, and this is the best part. No, especially I think this is probably something that affects men, forgive me. But there's a certain point at which the waves come, and you kind of have to go, Woo! You know that one? Do you know that one? And your wife is saying to you, are your knees getting cold? No, I'll be fine. So, so here I am on the verge of hypothermia. Wading. This is your holidays. Like, come on. So I'm wading in on the verge of hypothermia. Over. And eventually a wave comes in and I just can't get away from it. And it starts to come and I start to run. Ah! And I'm not joking. I really did run. But you know, you can't really run that well in water. And the wave was a big one. And so it came and the wave knocked me down and I got immersed and it was freezing. And then I got down again and I got down again. And in about two minutes, here I am floating on the waves. <laughs> and I'm going up and down and up and down. And Rory, my son, is saying, Rory, you're not here, she's not, he's probably going to hate me for this. But Rory, he says, Rory, my son says, he says, Dad, come on, let's do some swimming. I said, no, I'm okay, this is so nice. I just float up and down. And the interesting thing about this, and this is my point, 
is that when I put my feet into the water and when I put my ankles into the water and when I put a couple of other parts of me into the water, it didn't feel very comfortable. I felt the challenge of what it's like to get into the water, the Atlantic waters in Ireland. But when I eventually threw myself under the waves, boy, what an exhilaration. And you're floating on the waves and you're there and I got to tell you the truth. I didn't think of any one of you at all in that moment. I had no wife. I had no children. I had no job. I had loads of money though. I was going. But it wasn't until I got all in that I really experienced what it was like. What it was really like to float in the Atlantic. And I believe it's the same for so many people I meet. Because their ankles get stung by their faith. Or because there's trial or difficulty. Or sometimes there's waves that you have to jump over. That you don't feel like you want to immerse yourself in this kingdom of God. But I can tell you, brothers and sisters, faithfully I tell you, if you can throw yourself into those waves, you will experience the peace and presence of Jesus Christ in a way you have never known in your life. And you choose that experience today. Today, you choose that experience. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. I had a few more points to make, but I'm not going to make them. I want to leave it there. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Because I want us to pray, and I want us to pray really, really simply. I think it's a very important day, the start of September, when decisions are being made. I want us to pray that we would, this morning, for those of us who are here, we would get out of the past and get out of the future. Would anyone say amen? amen. That we would be in God's beautiful presence in the present. Amen. We would know his presence and his peace and his power in the present, in today. And I want to say to you, for some of you, I know in the last few days, you probably had, you know, you're trying to follow the Lord and something went wrong and you sinned. Let's call it what it is. You sinned. I don't know. You, you drank too much or you slept with someone. I don't know what, 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 I don't know what your sin is. It's probably different to mine. Actually, you know, it's probably exactly the same as mine. Now that I think of it, where none of us are all that different. But, you know, whatever you've done, I want to say this, say this to you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Here's the good news. They are new every morning. Every morning they are new. Every morning God wants to wash you clean again. Every morning he calls you back into his presence. And if in the last year you have stood your ground for 364 days, but that one day you fell back, that's not a defeat. That's a setback. Come on. Let's see it as it is. It's not a defeat. It's a setback. Let's get out of yesterday and get into today. Would anyone say amen? amen. Will you stand? We're going to pray. We're going to sing the song in a second. But we might, we might pray first and then we close with the song. Is that okay? Because I just want, to, just want us to stay focused for a second. If you're here this morning and you say, Lord, I realize... I realize that I have been living in the past by the shadow of guilt or the shadow of hurt and my head is in the past so often. Lord, I want to be released from the past and I want to live in your presence and make a call for you today. If that's you this morning, if your, your head's been stuck in the past, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. 
I see your hands. If, you're, if your head is stuck in the future, that would probably be where my head would go to. I've got to tell you the truth. That's where my head would head for. I'd head out to the future, see what's, up, see what's up ahead. But you know, when we think about the future, we're actually thinking about imaginary things. Things that have never actually happened and things that probably won't happen. They're just imaginary. They only appear out there. If you're sometimes stuck in the future and I say, Lord, I just want to be back. I want to be in your presence. I want to know your peace. I want to know your joy. I want to know your power in this day and in my everyday. Will you raise your hand? Let's pray. Let's pray. My final prayer this morning. I, I sincerely hope we will all pray. Lord, I want to say this morning to you, I want to be all in with you. I want to choose you this day. For some of you here this morning, you have never made a choice to follow Jesus. You've never made a choice to follow God wholeheartedly. I believe today is the day that God is saying to you, and I think you know even in your own heart that you are here in this meeting for a reason. It's not an accident. You've been brought here to this meeting for the specific purpose of God saying to you, today I want you to call on me. Today I want you to turn to me. If you have not turned to Jesus before and you want to say to him this morning, Lord, I want to declare today I'm choosing to follow you. If you're here this morning with every eye closed in the room, would you raise your hand? If that's your declaration, if that's your confession, I see your hands. Praise God. I see your hands. There's six or seven hands up around the place. I'm going to pray with you just for a second, Father in heaven, for those who've raised their hands this morning to say that they want to follow you wholeheartedly, Lord, for the first time. We ask you, Lord, that you'd bless them today. Would anyone say amen? Bless them with your presence and with your forgiveness and with your power. Pour over them, Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Lord, and as they invite you into their lives and their hearts, Lord, I pray, even if their ankles sting, maybe if their knees get cold, Lord, I pray that they would immerse themselves in you, Lord Jesus. For all of us, who wants to say, Lord, I want to be all in? Who wants to say, Lord, I want to be all in? Will you raise your hand if that's you this morning? Let's pray. Let's get both our hands in the air. I can't lift both my hands because if I do, I can't. I can put, keep the microphone to my mouth. Let's get both of our hands in the air. Father in heaven, all of us, Lord. Lord, as we lift our hands today on Sunday, the 3rd of September, Lord, we choose today not to follow the God of our ancestors. Would anyone say amen? And Lord, we choose to reject the gods of our neighbors, the ones that our neighbors are worshiping. We choose to worship the Lord and worship Him alone. We choose to follow Jesus and follow Him alone. Lord Jesus Christ, we declare this morning, we want to be all in, in Jesus' name. Would anyone say amen? Lord, I pray for some who in this coming week, Lord, will experience the stinging water on their ankles and on their knees. Lord, I pray that they will not turn back, Lord, but will dive into your presence. Help us, Lord, I pray, as we started this sermon. Help us, Lord, to live every day this week. Lord, not seven days in advance, but each day for what it's worth, Lord. Let us accept, I pray, this week, Lord, the grace that comes for every single individual day. Lord Jesus, you said, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Don't be getting worried about tomorrow. You stay in today. Lord, I pray that all of this week we would have the wisdom to experience your presence and your power in the present, in every day. We commit ourselves and ask you to bless our lives with your company this coming week. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go all in, brothers and sisters. Go all in. Get wet. Get cold. But it is life-giving, I declare, in Jesus' name. The guys are going to play us out with a song, Christ is enough for me. 
If you want to, we can grab some tea and coffee. Tea and coffee is being served upstairs for the next hour or so. And then we're going to be, sorry, we're back in again in a half an hour at 12 o'clock. God bless and keep you. Don't forget we're here on Tuesday night. Here on Tuesday night, the decisive moment is the message on Tuesday. Music message, Mr. J. Munchies. Banach Day, Liv Galer, Slán.